Uh, anyway, so Preacher Quincy came over one time and he wanted to sing a certain song and he wanted to stand, sing Standing on the Promises, but he, would, he refused to sing Standing on the Promises. And uh, he had us go through and I had to make copies of that song and change the word standing to walking. Walking on the promises. He said, because if you stand still, you ain't doing nothing for Jesus. <laughs> I, always, I, I miss that man. He's something else. Um, so I got uh, just a couple things. One thing I, I'll tell you all this, it's, uh, it's good news. Uh, found out today that uh, Lexi Griffith was saved uh, last week at uh, uh, a Bible camp or something that she was at. It wasn't Bible school, it was Bible camp. So Liz excited to let the church know that Lexi got saved. So I want to tell the church that. It was, it was good. Um, and there's not a business meeting. That's why I'm up here. Well, she's not here, so I've got to blame it on somebody. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll try to catch that back up next week. Um, just a lot going on, I know, in the community, and just want to uh, just continue to remember the families that was affected at the, the Highland Games uh, the other day, that uh, the wreck, just, I'm just glad James is here with us. He was there when it happened, and... Um, Lord protected him. Just I hate that there was a loss of life, and hate that there was injury. But um, uh, well, uh, they're they're doing well uh, for the most part that we know about. Don't know a lot of details, or if they do, they're not releasing anything yet. But just be in prayer for those families that was affected, and for the lady from Greensboro that that was killed through that event. Just pray for that family as well. If you got your Bibles turned over or to open, turned over to uh, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Boy, James, this is gonna kill me. I'm going to have to stand still. <laughs> oh, let me try it back. Right. Matthew chapter 7. So there's, there's some words in the Bible that we tend to try to get hung up on and we focus on and we want to make sure that um, as, as a preacher, we want to make And the significance behind those words. Um, there, there's a lot. I mean, salvation is one of them. Love is one of them. I was re- as we were going through the Sunday school lesson and was looking at the fruits of the Spirit, I've always wondered why Paul did not use the word charity in the fruits of the Spirit because he uses it in other places, and charity and love is the same thing, but in the fruits of the Spirit, uh, fruit of the Spirit, he uses the word love. It's the charity. But, so we think about love, we think about charity. We, we, we know we pray and we thank God for uh, salvation. We thank Him for love and grace and for mercy. We thank Him for different words of the Bible, but there's some words that we put together and sometimes can be extremely scary for certain people. And that's, that's the words we're going to look at today is some scary words in the Bible that can affect for eternity where you spend your eternity. And we'll, we're going to read that over in, in Matthew chapter 7 here in just a few minutes. There, in that little book I like to read at the house, I get all my good stories out of. There was a story in there about a man that had a date with a lady, and this is over in Long Beach, California, and he had this date with a lady, and they decided that they wanted to go to the park and spend the evening, and they was going to get chicken. So I'm pretty sure there's Baptist. So they went, and they went to get their chicken, and they, they put the order in, and the guy went in, picked up his order, grabbed the bags, walked out, got, just threw the bags in the car, and he took off, and they was going to go sit and have their supper on, as like a picnic. And they, they sat down, sp- spread the blanket out, sat down, opened up the bag. Lo and behold, there was $800 in that bag. There was no chicken. It was just money. And the guy said, oh, I, I, this is not right. And the, the, he was a pretty good failure. And so he decided that he was just going to 
take those bags and run back over and, and give it back. So he pulls back into the, the restaurant, and he ta- goes in, and when he goes in, he could tell that everybody's kind of panicking, and the manager was sweating, and the cashier was crying. He couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, he, he walked up to the manager and said, there was a, a mistake in my order uh, when he'd fix this. And he said, sir, it's been extremely stressful. He said, uh, we'll go ahead and make things right with you. And he said, what was wrong? He said, well, I ordered chicken and you gave me $800. And the guy said, that's why we're panicking. He said, they had put the money. <laughs> you don't do this, do you? You don't put our, the tithe in, in just a grocery bag and hand. Okay, okay. <laughs> so they had put the money to take to the bank that night for the deposit put it over in one of their bags and they just got it all mixed up so they's panicking and the manager said all oh, that you are an amazing man um you know we're gonna i'm gonna call the newspaper real quick he said you're an honest man i want everybody to know who you are and what you've done and we're gonna have the paper come over we're gonna write an article about you we might even get the news come interview you for what you've done he said um can you bring your your wife in here with you so we can discuss it? And it got real quiet, and the man leaned over, and he said, that's someone else's wife. <laughs> other words, he was going on a hot date with somebody else's wife, and that's not good. Things are not as they always appear. The inside and the outside can be two different things. You know, the Lord knows the inside. Man looks on the outside, and the Bible tells us that God looks on the inside. God knows our heart. On the outside, we might put up a pretty good front. We might, might well, with the exception of VJ, we might look good on the outside. Happy birthday, by the way. I'm not, I, don't, I ain't got enough fingers and toes to tell everybody how old you are. <laughs> you don't have to tell. That's okay. But... We can put up a good front. We can look good on that side. We can, we can act like an honest person, but deep down inside, there may be something going on inside of us. But what's going on on the outside don't always reflect what's going on in the inside. Now, Jesus um, is going to explain to us this morning what happens when we choose the wrong path and follow false teachers. There are false teachers in this world. Even though Jesus himself, because when you read this, it's in red, so you know Jesus is the one that was telling us about it. Even though there was false teachers back then, Jesus knew that there would always be false teachers. Until he comes back to get us, we're always going to have false teaching that goes on in this world. It happens in churches. It happens on TV. It happens on the radio. It happens on the internet. There's going to be false teaching. There are going to be false teachers with great followings. And unfortunately, those false teachers are sending a lot of people to hell. They have taken the wrong path. They have not taken the path of righteousness. They have not taken the path that Jesus has cut for them. They're taking their own path and the path of those false false teachers. And one of the sad things that we're going to read, <clears throat> read this morning is that many people on the wrong path think they're on the right path. <clears throat> That's what false teaching can do. False teaching can make something look really good. The devil makes things look really good. The, the devil knows how to toss you and how to, to, to pretty things up, doll things up, all these worldly things. He knows how to make it look good so that you will go to it. It's just like fishing. Think about bass fishing. How many people in here bass fish and use live frogs? or live mice to bass fish. Nobody does, but what do we do? I don't know that anybody in here bass fishes, to be honest with you. Is anybody, everybody just trout fish? Okay, so y'all may not get this, but bass fish, I got a whole tackle box full of lures, and it's things like crawdads, mice, 
frogs, lizards, things like that that I fish with for bass that are all fake because the bass think they look good. They're fake, but they look good. It entices them. It makes them want to grab a bite of it. And that's what the devil does. The devil uses things as lure, as bait, make it look good, and then you're going to grab a hold of it, and then you're hooked. It's going to, you're going to latch onto it, and then sometimes you can't let go. And that's what false teaching can do. False teaching makes it look good, entices you, you follow it, you take the bait, and then you're hooked, and then it drags you down. And this morning we're going to take a glimpse of Judgment Day for an unbeliever and the three stages that they go through. I don't know if you've ever looked at this, but there's three parts to when we meet Jesus. Three stages. And we're going to look at it from a different point of view this morning. As believers, we're going to go in, as Christians, as people that put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're going to hit those gates, and Jesus is going to say, well done, come on in. But for the unbeliever, the ones that have not given their lives to Jesus, there's more to it than that. There's three parts to this. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you've got your Bibles open to Matthew 7, stand with me just a moment. Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Bible says, Now everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, here's those seven words, I never knew you, depart from me. Yea, that work iniquity let's pray father this morning as uh, we look at your words as we look at something that touches us in a way god that it ought to move each one of us those words depart from me lord i pray there'd be not a soul left in this church today that would ever hear those words lord my prayer is that those that are here they're going to hear well done they're going to be able to step inside that gate and walk on that golden street, and they're going to be able to, to enter into their mansion to spend eternity with you. But, Lord, if there be one here, one that is able to hear this sometime, Lord, I pray that if they're lost, Lord, that they would come to know and accept you. Lord, they'd have a relationship with you, not have uh, a religion in their heart, but, Lord, they'd have your son Jesus Christ in their heart, and that's what matters. And Lord, I pray today that you just have your will and way in this service. Thank you for those that are here. I pray, God, that you would be with those that are traveling. We've got many on the road right now. Just keep them safe and bring them back here, Lord, safely. Bring them back home safely. We love you and we praise you today. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So again, there's three parts to the unbeliever entering into heaven. And the first part that we look at, and we just read it in verse 21, is the standing part. When they get to heaven, they're going to be standing, or the staging. I'm sorry, staging, not standing, staging. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So there's a, there's a staging point. Now, I'm not talking about purgatory. Do not even think that right now, Keith. Don't even let it cross your mind. I'm not talking about that. There is no such thing as purgatory. But there is a law there, there's a time there. And it's like we've been talking about for the past month or so. We don't know what order we're getting in the gates. We don't know if we're going in alphabetical or how that works. But 
there's going to be a time. Now, everything's going to happen quick, really fast. But there's going to be an order to how we get in there. And we see a picture of people coming before Jesus at that final judgment. And we see that they're standing there as they get to the end of the path that they have chosen. We've all chosen a path. We've all, we've all picked one way or the other. Which way you want to go? The road less traveled, the wide path, the narrow path. Which, which way you want to go? For those of us that have taken the narrow path, we have followed Jesus. For those of us who have taken the wide path, we have followed false teachers and the devil. But we're all at one point going to have a judgment day. At some point, we're all going to face God. And we're going to have to talk to him. And he's going to talk to us. And these people, these unbelievers, they have been on a path that they have made for themselves. Jesus has made us a path. He made us a nice path. But these folks didn't like that path. So they decided, you know what, I'll make my own path and I'll see if maybe, just maybe, there's another way I can get to heaven. Maybe if I take this trail or make my own trail, maybe I can get on in there on my own without following these strict rules in the Bible and trying to follow those fruits of the Spirit that we talked about this morning. The path may have included a little mix of Jesus in with everything else in this world. Just a little little bit. They've just, they've just included just a little sprinkle of Jesus in their life, but not much. They've went to church, but not much. They might have grew up in church, but then they got away from it. I can picture some of these people being a, uh, people who had been even a member of a church. You know, a lot of people, they, uh, they put their faith in church role. I don't know that we even have that up here. We don't. You know, some of the churches have role up there, and they'll tell you how many members that you actually have in the church. And that's what they, did. That's what they put their faith in. My, my name, my number is on that board up there, and so I'm good. Well, it's not that board that matters. It's the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what matters is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not documented on the church roll. But a lot of people have taken that path and they have said, I, I am a member of such and such church. I will be able to see God and I'll be able just to breeze on in because my name is on a roll. They'd heard sermons their whole life about how Jesus demanded first place in their lives. And we do that. We talk about that. That's something that's very important as a Christian that we understand that Jesus is first place. He is first and foremost in our life. He is what we follow. He is who we listen to. He is what guides us in all that we do. So it's very important. But a lot of people hear it and they don't want to do it. They don't want to have that lifestyle because Jesus don't fit their lifestyle. They can't get away from the past. They can't get away from their old self. They can't get away from the sinful nature that they had. And so Jesus just don't fit in their lives like he's supposed to. They think Jesus really didn't mean those things about denying self and taking up your cross and, and following him daily. They don't think he meant that. They think that they can just do what they want to do, that they don't have to follow him daily. They think Jesus really didn't expect us to let him reign as king in, in all areas of our lives. We expect him, or they expect him, to just reign in the spiritual side of our lives, not every aspect of our lives. He is, when he reigns, he reigns over all. That's what a king does to a kingdom. He reigns over all, not just bits and pieces, 
not just the certain gates or the certain corners or certain houses or certain pieces and parts of land that's inside the kingdom. It is the entire kingdom that he reigns over. So he reigns over your entire life, your entire heart. He reigns over you, not just certain little parts. And so people think, oh, that ain't right. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want him controlling my whole life. As people come to Jesus, this group will be in line calling out his name. And, and the Bible says, Lord, Lord. That's what Jesus says. They'll be out calling on to him, Lord, Lord. It's pretty much like saying, hey, Jesus, here I am. You remember me? I did some things in your name. Here I am. Hey, bud, can I come on in? That's, that's the way I look at it. It's just like going to uh, a concert. Or I remember whenever we had a couple good movie theaters over in Boone. When I worked at the police department, my, both or two of my lieutenants, their parents actually owned two different movie theaters there. So we would get in for free. But you had to tell them that you worked with Tom or Gerald. You had to tell them that. And I'll never forget, it's, it's, that's the way I look at this. Hey, I'm with Gerald. Hey, I'm with Tom. Oh, yeah, come on in. That's the way these people that took their own path are with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm with you, remember? I did some things in your name. That's the way they look at heaven. That's the way that they look at, at entering into the gate is, hey, here I am, Jesus, let me on in. The person crying out, Lord, Lord, says they understand who he was and thought they had made a commitment to him. They thought they did not know. They're that 99.9% .9 sure people. I went to church. I memorized scripture. I sung in the choir. I even taught Sunday school. But they were never 100% certain they had a relationship with Jesus. They were always 99.9% .9 sure. There's going to be a long line of 99.9 percenters trying to get into heaven. Jesus is telling the people that, that lip service is not what God is looking for. And a lot of people are doing that now. It's just lip service. They profess religion, but they don't proclaim Jesus. There is no evidence as Christians, we're called to be fruit inspectors. To go back to our, our Sunday school lesson this morning, talking about fruits of the Spirit, we are to be fruit inspectors. Are you bearing good fruit? Are you bearing what Jesus has given you? Are you showing the world what He's done for you and what He can do for others? Lip service without obedience is completely meaningless. The Bible tells us all day long that God expects faithfulness, not lip service, not show. He expects faithfulness out of his people, out of Christians, out of believers. He wants faithfulness. The second stage that we'll look at is the pleading stage. Verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not professed in thy name, and in thy name have cast out de devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Now here things start to change a little bit. Jesus explained that unless you have done the will of God, will of the Father, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Are we doing God's will? Now that's, I don't know how many times we've talked about that here lately. That's one of the hardest things to know. Are you in the center of God's will? Are you where you need to be with God right now? Oh, what I'd give right now if he would just write me a letter. If he'd put it on a dry erase board, if he'd send me a postcard, if he would do something and say, here's what my plan is for you. But sometimes we just have to fight and fail and, 
and falter a little bit before we ever figure out where we're supposed to be. There's going to be lots of hurt, lots of crying. There's going to be lots of hurt feelings. But we'll get there. We'll get to the center of God's will. And that's what he wants for us is to try and to strive to, st- to get to and to stay in the center of his will. And so now the pleading starts. This is where they try to stand before Jesus and justify their lack of desire to put him first. You try to justify your actions. We have done that a lot here in our lives, I know. Every one of us have had to justify why we did something, why we said something. The past two weeks for me have been an absolute nightmare at the office. I had to cancel a contract for a bride, and I was the bad guy because she didn't pay her her final payment. I turned into the bad guy because she didn't follow the contract. How do you justify canceling my contract? Is pretty much the words I got from the groom. How can you justify that? It's because the contract says you don't pay in 30 days. We have the right to cancel your contract. But do you know what? I've got a heart. So I give them five more days grace period. They still didn't pay. I give them another five more days grace period. They still didn't pay. And then we cancel the contract. They paid. Isn't that how that works? Didn't have anything to give them. But because I still have a heart, I've been over backwards and found another company to come in and fulfill their need. Can you justify your actions? Can I justify why, why I said or done what I did? Yes, I can. But when we get to heaven, can you justify standing before God, justify why you did not put his son Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life? There is no reason that you cannot do that. It doesn't matter if it's health reasons, it's family reasons, it's financial reasons, it's work reasons, it's whatever. There is no reason you cannot justify in your life not putting Jesus first. And so, as the old saying goes, you're just going to sit there and spin your wheels, that's all you're going to do. You're going to waste everybody's time because you cannot justify it. And that's what they're going to be doing. These people on the wrong path, they're going to spin their wheels. Now, this pleading right here involves telling Jesus about all the good things we have done to earn and, or to pass, earn a pass into heaven. All the good things. And you're going to be racking your mind and you're going to try to think about all the times that you give a homeless person a couple bucks or you bought a meal or you bought their gas or you paid it forward. Lord, I'm like number one in the world right now for paying it forward. Do you see all the things that I've done for people in the world? I pay it forward all the time. Every time I go to McDonald's, I buy the person's meal behind me every single time. Ain't that good enough? No, it's not. It's not good enough. Because you're trying to earn your way into heaven. You're trying to get that golden ticket. You're trying to get a free pass, a get-out-of-hell-free pass. That's what you're trying to get. And it don't work that way. It never has and never will. And I've said before, we, we can't earn our salvation through works. It's always going to be works after salvation. He wants to see us busy. And these people are laying out an impressive list of things that they did for Jesus. They're just going to keep laying it out there, right? Just, just spilling their guts. All these things that I've done for you, Jesus, here it is. It's all for you. Not one time did you ever do it in his name. And he's going to stay unimpressed. He's just going to have that face. No smile. 
I'd almost say there'd be a tear in his eye because of the words that he's going to have to speak here shortly. He's not impressed with all that you have done. Hosea 6, 6 says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The false prophets were able to do some things that, that these people were pleading with Jesus over. If you go back into Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Siva, y'all remember them? They could do all kinds of things. Sorcery and witchcraft that we talked about this morning. They could do all kinds of things. They were healing and casting out demons, but they did not belong to God. These seven did not belong to God. They were not part of the kingdom. They were not of Jesus. They were not followers of Jesus. These folks were telling Jesus that they were doing all these miracles, preaching and so forth, but they were doing it in his name. No, they wasn't. When they say this, they are, they're telling Jesus they are, were doing it by his authority. By his authority. They weren't doing anything in his authority. Now, after salvation, pay it forward. After salvation, if you feel led to do it and you want to help somebody out, do it. But you're doing it in Jesus' name. You're going to do it in his name. You'll give him the credit and the glory for whatever you've done, but that's after salvation. Before salvation, you can't do that and expect to earn brownie points to get into heaven. Jesus don't give you a free pass for attaboys. I'm all right with the attaboy every now and then, but my attaboys don't add up to get me into heaven. It's my relationship with Jesus that's getting me there. These people, their basic message was that they acknowledged Jesus with their lips, but in reality, their hearts are far off. There was that 17-inch gap in salvation. That 17 inches from the mind to the heart. What they had up here, they were saying right here, but it never came from here. It never came from their heart. When it comes from your heart and comes out of your lips, there's going to be a lot of grace with it. There's going to be a lot of love with it. There's going to be a lot of forgiveness with it when it comes from here. It's just lip service. I love reading stories about young Billy Graham. And one of my favorite stories about him, this is pre-explosion of Billy Graham, pre-big name Billy Graham. The story goes, it says, Years ago, a notorious gangster named Mickey Coon attended a Christian meeting in Beverly Hills. The meeting was being led by a young evangelist named Billy Graham. Graham was just starting out in evangelism, and no one had really heard of him. Everyone knew about Mickey Cone, though. Mickey was attracted to what he heard at the meeting. Afterwards, Billy and some of the others talked to him about salvation, but he made no commitment at that time. A while later, a Christian friend read Revelation 3.20 to him, Behold, I stand at the door. Uh, the friend then asked Mickey if he wanted this salvation. He said, Yes, yes, I do. The news of this conversion made quite a sensation in the ministry of billy graham became known across the nation there was only one small problem nothing that mickey nothing in mickey's life changed when his friends confronted him about it mickey complained he said you didn't tell me i would have to give up my work talking about the mafia you didn't tell me you had i had to give up my friends talking about the gangsters Mickey had heard that so-and-so was a Christian athlete and so-and-so was a Christian actress. 
or actor, so he thought that he could be a Christian gangster. Some of us will have to give up some things. Some of us are going to have to give up a lot of things. Mickey would have to give up a lot of things. Some of us, depending on our age, you know, the younger you are, you don't have a lot of bad habits yet. So if you're saved at a younger age, you're not going to have a lot to give up. But the older you get, the harder it can be sometimes. Putting Jesus first will cost us something, and, and many are not willing to let Jesus take us that far. We're not willing to let go of the bottle. We're not willing to let go of the baggage. We're not willing to let go of whatever we're looking at on the internet. We're not willing to let go. We just want to, we might, might not have a full hand on it, but we're going to pinch it with our fingers because we're just not willing to let go of it yet. We've got to let it all go. Turn it completely loose and let him have it. The people Jesus is speaking to right here did not have a relationship with him. Religion will not make you right with God. Religion will not make you right with God. Relationship will. Can't preach that enough. The third thing, and the final thing, final stage here, we call this the departing stage. This is a bad one. This one's all bad, but this is the one that, this is the one. This is the bad one for the unbeliever. Verse 23 says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Seven saddest words in the Bible, right there. Seven most heartbreaking words in the Bible, right there. Depart from me, I knew you not. People say, well, that's not, them are not sad words. The saddest words is on the cross when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Or Father, pray for them. For they know not what they do. People say those are the most, the saddest words. Or, I thirst. That's a sad word. He was thirsty. That's, that's not, yeah, that, that's nothing compared to what he will say to those that do not believe in him. That have made it to the gates and they're face to face with God and you lay out a list of things that you've done in his name. And you talk about all the things that you have done in your life, all the good things. And he's sitting there shaking his head, no, 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 ain't going to work. Depart from me, for I know you not. Jesus tells these people who, who thought they were on the right track, the words they never wanted to hear. Jesus will say to those who claim him, but never trusted him enough to give their lives, I never knew you. Think about those words for a second. I never knew you. I never knew you. If you know, if these people know who Jesus is, and they know what he could have done for them, do you not think that those four words will ring in their ears for the rest of eternity while they are suffering and burning and screaming and being tortured and in tor torment in hell? Do you not think those four words
words are going to ring in their ear for the rest of their eternal life? Absolutely. The last thing they heard from God was, I knew you not. That ought to rip your heart out. As a Christian, that ought to give you enough fuel for your fire to get out and try to win some to Jesus. Because I know I don't want to hear anybody. Or I don't want to know of anyone going to hell. Because I lacked the time or the patience to be a witness to them. I want to make sure, not as a pastor, it has nothing to do with being a pastor or a preacher or evangelist or whatever. It is because I've been saved. And it is because I want the best for everyone that's around me. And the best is heaven. I want them to go to heaven. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I want them to hear about Jesus' love. I want them to hear, well done. Amen. Not depart from me. I never knew you. I never, I've never known you as one of my disciples. I've never known you. I never knew you. That, that command to depart, that's a command from Jesus, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. Depart from me. That's a command. Jesus Christ. It's identical in thought to the judgment of Matthew 25, 41 at the Lord's return. It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, that ought to get you. That ought to, that ought to make you. That ought to make you stop and think for just a moment. What Jesus describes is something that we don't want to experience. As a Christian, as somebody that is not religious, but somebody that has a relationship with Jesus, I won't have to hear those words. Personally, I won't hear those words. Now, I'll hear well done. My biggest concern once I hear well done is the fact that I'm not going to have as much to give him as I'd like to. My rewards... All the jewels and things that I think that I've earned, I'm not going to have as many as I think I do. And that's probably going to bother me. It bothers me right now. Because I can't do enough. I can't give him enough once I get there for what he's done for me. And he's done for my family. Jesus doesn't want anyone to experience those words. That's why he shared it with us. If it wasn't for Jesus' love for us, he probably he would never said that. He wanted his disciples. He wanted everyone to hear. He wants the folks in 2022 to continue to hear those words. He wants to remind us that we still have a path to take. We still have free will. We can still do whatever we want. We can pick him or leave him. But he wants to remind us of that. Somewhere along the line, People have gotten the impression that God does not care how they live. I can be saved and do what I want to. Just like Nikki was. I can be saved and do what I want to. I can still continue to live that old life, but be saved. You can't do that. you got to pick. What are you going to do? You're going to live for Jesus? You're going to live for the world? But he loves you. And he wants the best for each one of us. You can't just mix a little Jesus in with your life and just in case the Bible is true. 
that's one of the sad things we hear right now. I'll, I'll bring a little bit of religion into my life just in case the Bible's true and I do die and I, I have to choose or I, or I get to the gate and I get to speak to God. I'll, I'll keep just a little bit of Jesus in my back pocket that maybe I can slip in. Maybe I can slip in. Takes a whole lot of Jesus for us. A lot of Jesus for us. The Bible tells us you have to give him all. He gave his all. We are to give him our all. And that takes courage. That takes a lot of trust. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You've got to trust in him. And you have to have faith in him that he will save you, that he will provide for you, that he will sustain you, and that his grace is sufficient. The Bible tells us that. You've got to have faith that his grace is sufficient. You've got to have faith that his mercy is going to be new every single morning that we get up. You've got to have faith knowing that he's going to love you unconditionally, warts and all. He's going to love you. No matter what you've done, he's going to love you. That's faith. That's having faith in him. If we really trust God, like, like being here today would suggest, y'all y'all trust God. Y'all believe in God. That's why we're here today. We believe in who he is, and we come here to worship him and to honor him. So there's proof right here in these pews that you believe in God. Since we're here, we need to be giving God our full attention, 100% our attention. Not just inside the church. I'm not saying right, right now. I'm saying in general. We've got to give him our full attention in all that we do. Religion or being religious will not save you. Only through relationship with Jesus. That's what saves you. I know y'all probably think I'm beating a dead horse, but there's a reason behind it. I just don't want anybody going to hell riding that religious pony. Have that relationship with Jesus. That's what matters. Have you ever felt the hole in your heart and, 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 just, and tried to fill it with things other than Jesus? I know we all have. Even, even after salvation, we've tried to replace holes in our heart with other things of the world and not Jesus. But what have they done? They've failed us. Whatever you put in there spoiled, expired, got stale, soggy, whatever, because we didn't replace it with Jesus. Because he's incorruptible. He doesn't tarnish. He doesn't rust. He doesn't expire. And Jesus wants you to be with him for eternity. That's all he's asking. Put your faith in him. He's leaving it up to you just to put your faith in him. And if you do, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you don't, Depart from me, for I know you not. Every head bowed and every eye closed this moment. This message may not affect one person in this church, and if not, well, hallelujah. Stick with me today. As a Christian, as we sit here today and we think about our friends, Think about our family that are lost. That's, that's what I want you to think about for just a moment. Think about the ones in your life that are lost. 
They need Jesus because they're going to hear depart from me. That, that's what they're going to hear. You're not going to be there. You're not going to hear it. You're going to hear it well done. Come on in. This morning I just want you to pray for those that are lost. If you need Jesus, I want you. I want you to ask Him into your heart right now. I, I would never stop that. But for those that are here this morning, and you've got lost friends and family. This morning, that needs to be the object of your prayer: the salvation for them, and that the Lord would use you as a vessel. The Lord would use you as someone that could help lead them to Christ. There is a world dying right now and going to hell. On Squirrel Creek, in Avery County, in Watauga County, in North Carolina, in the U.S., in North America, in this entire world, there are people dying every second and going to hell. We can put a stop to that. We can put a stop to that. Pray. The Bible tells us that the harvest, it's great right now, and it surely is. But it also says the laborers are few. We're the laborers, folks. The church is the laborers. So let's pray this morning for, for God to use us, to, to continue to encourage us and to give us the unction that we need to witness to this world that's dying around us. Father God, this morning as we close out, Lord, as we look at our lives and we see those around us that are lost, those friends, the family, the co-workers, our, our classmates, whatever it may be, as we look at them, we know that they do not have a relationship with, with your son. Lord, I pray this morning that you would allow us to be your hands and feet. You allow us to be your vessels. You would allow us to shine your light upon all those that are around us. Let us be the individuals that give that testimony, that pray that prayer, that takes that person by the hand, that gives them that little hug of encouragement that reminds them that Jesus loves them, that we love them. We care for them, and we do not want to see them bound for hell. God, give us the words that need to be spoken. Bible told us and read a few weeks ago that no one comes to the Father but by Jesus. But we also read that we have to be drawn. So Lord, I pray that you would draw us to the ones that, that need you most. Draw Chestnutdale to that world that needs to hear about Jesus. Draw us as individuals to the ones that we know and have a relationship with so that we can be a witness to them. Lord, that last thing we, any of us want to see is anyone gone to hell. Lord, we get to heaven, we want to see our friends and our family. We want to rejoice with them, spend eternity with them. Lord, give us the opportunity to be that person, to be a witness to those people that are lost. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for those words that were read. God, I pray that those seven words that were read as well Again, just ignite us and give us the fire we need underneath us to get us going out into the streets and to the hedges and to the doorposts 
time you were alive. I bless your son's name, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to finish up uh, Wednesday night. We're going to be finishing up the Bible study on, uh, we'll be on Lydia, and we're going to finish Wednesday night, but we're also, I did not realize that we only had a page and a half to go. <laughs> so we're actually going to pick back up. We have a new book that um, we're going to be looking at. Um, it's going to be breaking down the parables of Jesus. Do I need to even ask or just tell her? Either? Okay, so we need to get the books. We need to get them soon because we'll be picking that up next Wednesday. It's going to be about $100 for 10 books. The church will be all right with us buying those. They'll last us probably the rest of this year. Does that be okay for Rita to, to get that? Okay. All right, we'll get that picked up. That way we'll have those next week to get started. So be here for a whole new Bible study. We're going to kick it off next Wednesday, or this Wednesday. All right, all hearts and minds clear? Everybody? Get anything you need to say? You're good? Okay. I don't get, ever get a chance to embarrass him. I thought I'd, I'd try it. All right, Jonathan, would you dismiss us real quick, please?